Hey traders, welcome to the 40th episode of the Performante podcast and uh, we want to congratulate everyone that Bitcoin is now at half a trillion dollars in market cap, so 500 billion dollars, a little bit over actually, which is pretty unbelievable and we'll discuss that and compare the market cap of Bitcoin to a lot of the other financial services and companies and even different asset classes later on in the video or in the podcast, however you are uh, listening to this uh, great podcast. So at the start of it, at the start of the podcast, we will go into Ethereum, a little bit into BTC and BlackRock actually incorporating someone within their organization who will be really taking charge of the blockchain space which is really cool, more adoption in uh, financial services and companies and investment firms, really great to see. So thank you again for tuning in and I'll pass it over on to Nathan. Thanks for tuning in to the episode on December 27, 2020. Today has been a great day for the cryptocurrency market with Bitcoin setting a new all-time high at around 28.4 thousand US dollars, Ethereum, absolutely smashing resistance after resistance shout out to anyone that caught that play along with us in the discord shared a chart yesterday and couldn't really ask for a better impulse push than 15 percent upwards without leverage if you want to make those kinds of gains if you want to learn more about crypto can't recommend our discord enough but that's enough plugin we can just get right into it so again with that eth all-time high we still have a substantial upside before reaching all-time high. Uh, the all-time high was set in the tail end of the 2017 bull market in January of 2018. It reached an all-time high of $1,433. Kind of depends on which exchange you use as always. But one key takeaway with that is that means Ethereum still has 100% until it reaches that very critical all-time high. Meanwhile, Bitcoin is grinding out new all-time highs day over day, week over week. We're seeing the continued growth. We still have a long way up for Ethereum before it reaches that previous status point of all-time high. Yeah, that relative strength is definitely weak for basically every single alt uh, except very few outliers, but Ethereum has been showing relative strength. We haven't really seen that many alts uh, move to the upside and Ethereum would be the one to look out for. Uh, like we obviously stated, it created its first impulsive push after that nice squeeze we called within the Discord. And uh, we are still looking for overall continuation patterns within that move. So uh, definitely keep out within Discord if you are uh, interested, as well as the technical analysis videos on our YouTube. So pretty interesting. Ethereum's market cap at 79.8-ish billion, which is pretty cool. Um, let's see some financial service companies like UBS Bank of Montreal is at like 48 to 50 billion. So they're actually larger than a lot of banks and American Express is at 94 billion. Um, and Square is just over 100 billion. So you can kind of see where Ethereum sits within the other financial services. Um, so a lot to grow, definitely. But I, I like to see where different market caps are within different companies because it kind of represents where it is in a better manner in my opinion so pretty cool and we will get into where bitcoin lies a little bit later in the podcast 
So and just uh, sorry, just to jump in a little bit. One thing that's interesting to note, I think that will increase the demand for Ethereum is obviously we have the grayscale trust. We have those proxy ownership methods for institutions to put Bitcoin on their balance sheet. But we definitely are seeing a trend towards Ethereum funds. We saw 3IQ, another Canadian company, start up their Ethereum fund with an IPO. I believe it was two or three weeks ago now. Uh, so obviously that mimics the price action, provides an outlet for institutions looking to gain exposure into the asset. And Grayscale also offers an Ethereum fund. So I think that's going to be a trend that we're going to continue to see is kind of like these proxy ownership funds within the scheme of institutional investing. Sorry to cut you off there, Keith. Oh, not a problem. That's definitely a, a really good thing to point out, definitely, because it is important to have that ease of friction and to be able to actually invest a significant amount of capital or, or trade and, and have that liquidity and have the ability to um, basically not have a ledger and that uh, skill set of using, um, I guess, blockchain and technology within the hardware wallet or software, whatever you're using, definitely makes things easier if you are, uh, let's say, a boomer or a person who just wants to have a certain amount of money, invest it, gain exposure, uh, being able to invest in a fund uh, within a regulated entity like uh, inequity, I think is a really good way to go. So really good thing to kind of keep, eye, keep an eye on because ease of investment is definitely something that will allow a market to really boom. Next thing we're going to be talking about is actually a uh, person who initially bashed Bitcoin and then became a little bit more open to it. And this is Mark Cuban. A lot of people know him from the Shark Tank. He's obviously a really well-known entrepreneur, billionaire uh, investor. And he's actually looking at BTC and uh, complementing its really ability to uh, retain what he views as like a solid share structure. Um, and this is his quote in a tweet, public companies should learn a lesson from Bitcoin and commit to not issue new shares of stock ever. Their stock prices would immediately jump. So, you know, not diluting shareholders, shareholders. And this is kind of similar to actually uh, the government printing money. If you create new shares, you are diluting the current shareholders that have an ownership of the current shares that you have in the float or in the circulating amount of shares that you have in the marketplace. Uh, if you dilute the shareholders, their value is going to decrease. So then if you have a very tight, solid share structure where you're not diluting shares, your share your shareholders are going to be a lot happier because they get more percentage ownership of your company and similar to let's say a currency uh, if you have too many units of currency in the marketplace circulating that's going to create inflation kind of similar uh way of looking at it and mark cuban is complimenting btc that it's an algorithm that's what's the beauty of blockchain you don't have a entity being able to print as much as they want yeah, 100%. Kind of locking the one aspect of the supply-demand equation, i.e. supply, is going to have a positive impact on price if the company can kind of make that obligation and say, hey, we're locking our float, that's that, no more stock expansions, no more stock splits, no tomfoolery like that. 
were committing to the float, I think ultimately that would have a positive outlook on price. And one last note about this Mark Cuban news is that he offered a 25% discount when they used Bitcoin to make a purchase for the Maverick or for the Mavericks gear because he owns an NBA team, uh, which is an interesting collaboration just between the Dallas Mavericks selling their merch in exchange for Bitcoin. A 25% discount is pretty significant. And that's not something that like you've really seen within the retail scene. So I'm taking that as Mark Cuban's looking to start stacking stats, stacking stats. He's selling those jerseys, selling that uh, team gear because he wants some skin in the game. That's the way I'm taking it. Yeah, it's. I, I think there's only one way to look at it. And it's kind of funny to see these influential people shift how they view BTC. And you can kind of see it because social media is really great for that reason. People cement what they were thinking at that point in time. And you can look back through the years or months and see how their viewpoint changes on really anything, but specifically BTC, because it's a pretty controversial discussion and uh, yeah, really interesting to see. Yeah, 100%. It's the collaboration we need, but on the off chance, Mark Cuban is listening to this. Come on the show. We'd love to talk to you about Bitcoin. (laughs) We got to shoot our shot. And so just moving on to the next big institution making moves within the cryptocurrency space, we have news coming out of BlackRock. And BlackRock is the world's largest investment investment firm. Uh, they have $8 trillion of assets under management, which is an absolutely obscene amount of money. It's really hard to even conceptualize how much money that is because BlackRock has more wealth than some individual countries do when you add together all of its citizens, all of its government, all of its natural resources, BlackRock still has more money. It's absolutely obscene to try and conceptualize just how big this investment firm is. And even better yet, they just recently published a job posting for a vice president to lead the blockchain industry or the blockchain portion of this investment firm. They are pretty active within the cryptocurrency space in terms of uh, ownership in startups. They have a very significant portion in Neptune Dash, Riot, and Mara, I believe. And so it's interesting to see BlackRock kind of double down, say they want a VP to oversee all of their blockchain and cryptocurrency investments. If anything, it's just like a positive message saying, hey, we're going to double down on this. We're already skin deep, but we're going to go neck deep. Yeah, that $8 trillion number, pretty unbelievable. Just to think that this is just one company, corporation within the institutional realm. And yes, it's the largest uh, at the end of the day. But the difference that we're seeing right now is in 2016, especially 2017, there was ma- there was basically retail traders and investors that were really pumping the overall market in that bull run. And now we see companies like BlackRock hire this VP who's actually going to be taking advantage of um, controlling and strategically placing BlackRock within the blockchain space, however way they're going to be managing that. Um, It'll be interesting how they're going to implement it, but pretty unbelievable. That's one one institution. And to see those numbers um, actually enter the crypto realm and the crypto sphere and um, obviously 
bit, all, the current projects are going to be a part of it, but they're obviously going to be um, creating their own technology, I think, in the future. But yeah, I think that's extremely important news is to see the institutions change and, and adopt blockchain into the, really their entire inner workings um, because it applies to so many different facets of what they do. Like the, their tentacles are in so many different places. But blockchain can really help with many of the services they are really providing to uh, American citizens and the globe. Yeah, 100%. They're looking just to kind of reduce the friction, I guess, in terms of facilitating the transition between the sector that they know is invasive, they know is going to steal away from other sectors, and they really want to put someone in position to facilitate that transition. One interesting thing to note is I'm just looking at the job posting itself right now for requirements, not recommendations. It says master's degree or equivalent in economics, business admin, or related field, four years of experience in job offered or related occupation, it's specifically in financial due diligence of prospective investment opportunities, and the list goes on and on. It's legitimately like probably two paragraphs worth of information requirements. You have to have cryptographic hash function knowledge. There, it looks like they're. Uh, trying to groom for the best of the best for this position, which I can only imagine they got the money to pay for it, given they got $7.8 trillion assets under management. So just to keep in line with talking about some big ass numbers that are hard to conceptualize, we have Bitcoin reaching a market cap of 500 billion today, a little bit over as the price is fluctuating near 27,000 but ultimately still a monumental move to the upside. It, it's absurd to believe that Bitcoin has a market cap of half a trillion dollars for a couple of reasons. First, it's so much bigger than a large, a large portion of the companies we consider fundamental to the way we live life, like Johnson & Johnson, for example. If Johnson & Johnson stopped existing, we would be aware of it very quickly. If Bitcoin stopped existing, we would be aware of it very quickly. It's reached that fundamental that fundamental threshold within our society that it's no longer a speculative bet. It's no longer a question of if it'll work, if it's legitimate. It is now the largest financial service company in the world. It beat Visa out, it beat MasterCard, it beat PayPal, it beat JP Morgan. The list goes on and on, but at the end of the day, Bitcoin has found themselves with a market cap of 504 billion and the largest network for financial payments in the world. Super hard to believe that, but we're past the point where it's an experiment. The future is now. It, it feels weirdly cathartic. It's hard to believe that we've really reached this point in time where Bitcoin is the world leader in international payments. Yeah, and to be to be completely honest, I don't think it'll be long before we're taking down the biggest names that we know of. Uh, Berkshire Hathaway, uh, the Series A, uh, shares Tesla at six hundred and thirty billion. We got Alibaba at like three six hundred and forty billion. Uh, Microsoft is sitting at a cool one point six trillion, and Apple sitting at number one is two point two trillion in market cap. So. 
Uh, if you're able to compare different companies that we use every single day, we are seeing BTC slowly, climb, well, pretty quickly actually, climb up the ranks and uh, I think it's only really going to grow from here. It will be interesting to see how fast that BTC will grow compared to the current tech stocks that are also in a bubble right now because the US dollar is absolutely not melting right now, but I think within the long-term trend, it is still going to continue. Uh, it'd be interesting, interesting to see when that kind of tipping point will be when the economy actually gets affected because the inflation is going so quick and, and such at a rapid rate that it is affecting everyday every everyday citizens. And then if tech stock if tech stocks are needing to invest their U.S. dollars into something, are they going to buy back their shares or purchase? BTC, and then that would be a different discussion. Yeah, 100%. We're at a point in time where there's a lot of uncertainty in the air, but the one certainty that we do have is currency expansion is going to continue. The US dollar is going to increase in supply, and that decreases its value. And a rising ocean brings all boats with it. So things are going to get more expensive. We've seen that with tech stocks, which are kind of that like... I mean, it sounds bad, but the safe haven that people are throwing money in because <laughs> at least tech stocks aren't decreasing in value. Yep, and now we're starting to see that conceptual idea come to fruition with companies like MicroStrategy, MassMutual, Square, PayPal, absolutely just throwing money at Bitcoin. We're at the point where there's not enough Bitcoins being created by the miners to satisfy their demand. PayPal in itself is buying more Bitcoins that are being mined, failing to mention Square, MicroStrategy, BlackRock, Grayscale, all of those big names. There's just simply not enough Bitcoin to go around. And we've seen that we're sitting at 27,000 US dollars and which is 35% above the all time high, something like that. And that was the long term resistance. And now we're at that point of time, completely uncharted territory. We're seeing that institutional FOMO. We're seeing institutions put it on their balance sheet, get away from that melting ice cube of cash, get what they want to get that exposure. And I think at least thus far in the 2020 bull market, I think personally, it has been led mostly by institutions. Because when we look at data like Google Trends, for example, Google Trends is at 28% of the traffic that was present during December with that all-time high at 20K. And we're almost at a quarter of the total public interest in cryptocurrency, which is absolutely obscene because to me, that tells me that the retail investors, the retail traders, the people that ask you about Bitcoin when they know it's doing well, those are the people that haven't really caught on yet. Those are the people that are sleeping. And I think ultimately in 2017, 2016, 2017, everyone learned about Bitcoin. Everyone at least heard the name, maybe not necessarily understood what it does, but they're familiar. They know it's the orange bee <laughs> and criminals use it, let's say. And in 2021, as this paradigm shifts, I think this is going to be year, the year that it changes from everyone knowing about Bitcoin to everyone owning Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Because we are starting to see that necessity, that basic need for an asset that is immune to inflation, that is deflationary in nature, and that can 
act as a safe space from the melting pot of the depreciating fiat dollar. Yeah, well said. 100%. I completely agree. And we're seeing that ability to have that exposure extremely easily through the institutions as well as previous things that we have covered. Um, just quickly going over uh, the discussion about the rebate that you can redeem in BTC if you are spending, let's say, on a Visa card. So there you're able to, in small quantities, accumulate Bitcoin and then you see it rise, you start looking into it and just the ability for someone to acquire Bitcoin and then there's that level of interest. If you own something, even if it's a very small amount and it starts going up in price or just the interest from actually owning it sparks you to actually uh, buy a book or listen to a podcast or research online, you know, there are going to be outcomes from more people just seeing Bitcoin around within different financial let's say platforms that they're using which is from square cash app even like visa or paypal uh, we are seeing massive corporations actually adopt bitcoin which is pretty interesting because uh, they are seeing bitcoin as more of a friend or they might not see it as a friend but they might see it as a necessity because people are demanding it to have within the services that they are using and i think that's where it's coming from like if it was up to these corporations they wouldn't want to allow bitcoin to uh be sold to customers and clients like they wouldn't want them to be using it because obviously they want them to be using their platform uh, because they can profit from it but i think it's a demand from the retail consumer that they want to be able to easily exchange whatever native currency that they're using us dollars canadian dollars australian dollars japanese yen wherever it is into btc on a global scale which is very interesting so I think it's a good good way to end off the podcast. We went over quite a few companies that are above, below BTC, as well as a little bit of Ethereum. Really cool, in my opinion, to kind of gauge where at least Bitcoin's market cap is, where kind of among the rest of the, the companies in terms of financial institutions. And I think at a later point, we'll actually look at entire asset classes, like looking at, uh, let's say, silver's asset class or gold's asset class, because then... That's that's really the big numbers that we're going to be talking about. Yeah, one hundred percent. As Bitcoin continues this bull run, as the market sentiment continues, as the institutions continue to flock in, we're just going to continue to crush market cap after market cap. I think silver is going to be a big day. I'm really excited that for the day that we can podcast that Bitcoin is bigger than silver. But ultimately, I think that next big psychological milestone, at least from like the institutional perspective, is Bitcoin crossing $1 trillion. Bearing no complicated math, approximately that'll happen at a BTC value of 54,000 US. So that kind of is a magic number to keep in mind. Obviously have to account for the influx with miners and all that expansion or with the minor expansion that happens. But ultimately $1 trillion, that's the next on the hit list. Big things ahead for Bitcoin looking forward into 2021 and beyond. I think the ultimate Christmas present of them all, in my opinion, though, would be 30K BTC before end of year. Got my fingers crossed. That's what I'm hoping for. If you have any specific ideas on the way Bitcoin price action might pay up in 2021 or any 
predictions for where the next all-time highs would be, reach out, drop it in the comments. We'd love to chat shit, hear, hear your guys' perspective about crypto, Bitcoin, and the overall market momentum. But uh, we'll leave the episode at that. Today is December 27th. Thank you for tuning in, everyone. We really appreciate your time. Take care.